Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The documentary film Finding Kendrick Johnson is the byproduct of a four-year investigation into the facts of his case. From the creator of Stranger Fruit, this documentary film sheds new light on one of the most important American stories of our time, told through the eyes of Johnson's family and close friends. On January 11, 2013, Kendrick Johnson was found dead in his high school gymnasium in a rolled-up gym mat. The state of Georgia ruled his death as an accident, having died from positional asphyxia. The Johnson family investigation found something very different than the state did. They found that he had been killed by non-accidental blunt force trauma. This film is an indictment of many of the institutions and people in this Deep South community, and it doesn't pull any punches. The film, again, is called Finding Kendrick Johnson, and we're joined today by the director of the film, and that would be Jason Pollock. Jason, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you. How did you hear about Kendrick Johnson? So I was in Ferguson when everything happened. And uh, I lived there until 2017 with the Brown family while I was making Stranger Fruit. And when I was living there, a lot of the families that had been victimized by our government were traveling to Ferguson during the uprising to support the movement that was growing there. So it was the summer of 2015 when I first met Jackie Johnson. So that was almost two years after KJ had passed. I consider this KJ case kind of in the pre Black Lives Matter era because everything changed after Ferguson. Yes. Cell phones and um, cops, cops having to wear cameras and everything, everything changed. So just imagine if this had happened after 2015, if every kid in the school had known if they could be recording on their cell phone that day when KJ was found. uh, I think we'd be in a very different situation than we're in right now. If the fact that happened in 13 before Mike Brown is meaningful to me. From that perspective, that's when we became Facebook friends in 15. And I just started seeing her share the images of his mangled face virtually every day. So that became part of my life and in a very traumatic way, uh, like it is for everyone that is introduced to it. Um, in, In 2017, when Stranger Fruit came out, I was trying to figure out what case to do next. And Stranger Fruit had gone so well. We were getting so many requests from most of the famous families that you know of. And uh, I decided to do a case that I felt maybe wasn't famous, but needed the treatment that I gave the Brown family the most. When you look at the details of the, the nature of what happened to KJ, you know, this isn't trauma Olympics or anything, but KJ's case is particularly vile in his the photographs of his face the way he was found missing organs the state's ridiculous story 
it's just extremely unique in that group of horrendous stories. And so most of the families, after I spoke to them, all agreed, oh, yeah, you have to help Jackie. You have to do kind of KJ next. And um, it just became my next life's mission after cracking the Mike Brown case. And I'm not proud of this, but I cracked two of the major cases of the Black Lives Matter era in the last five years. I did that independently, sitting in front of the computer I'm talking to you with no money. I got no money for it. While the media is spending millions and millions of dollars reporting on these cases, but not actually doing the work. Right. And to me, the fact that one random guy cracked the Mike Brown case and the Kendrick Johnson case back to back is not a compliment to that guy. It's an indictment and in the system of the failure of the media that we are living in right now. I couldn't agree more. It's about motivation. It's about there's a lot of factors involved. It's about racism. It's about who dies. That's true. That's true. If you look at all the Netflix docuseries, they're all white death. Yeah. Netflix wouldn't put this on for some reason. While while this airs and goes viral, Netflix has a show on about the Valdosta football team making it look like a puff piece that doesn't discuss any of the history, doesn't give any context of the town that you're in, and makes Valdosta look like the all-American city. So it was not a surprise to me as to why they couldn't air this while they were airing that, because this shows the lie of that uh, very clearly. And in fact, like a lot of our supporters are tweeting at Netflix now, because even though it's not on Netflix, it, the fact it's on, it's, it is still doing what, it, you know, what, what they were probably afraid it would do on their platform. It's exposing this ridiculous football show where you're just making these kids look like they're in some whole hometown and they're actually in the most, one of the most racist places in America called, it's called title town USA. Right. Is that the name of the documentary? The Netflix one. You brought it up. So let's talk a little bit about this. Well, first let's talk a little bit about Kendrick Johnson in terms of who he was. And, and then I think we can introduce the, the, the community from which he, he comes from. Yeah, just from being with his family and sitting in his seat at the dinner table, I can tell that he was a very loving guy. He was a funny guy. He was a silly guy. He made everyone laugh. He was like one of the best looking guys at the high school. He was the most, he was the popular guy. Like, I think that what happened to him is because he was, he was too good for that town. And, the, and when you're too good, that town doesn't want you to succeed. It's like crabs in a bucket. So he was the best football player. He was really funny. He was really attractive guy. Everyone loved him. And that pisses people off. And he was African-American. Absolutely. But he was a great football player. He was really, really fast. And um, just a victim of his environment. Now let's talk about the town, Valdosta. It, it, and you have in the film, Finding Kendrick Johnson, you have a nice piece of the film good chunk of the film about the community and its history. Yep. And, and I think when you mentioned Georgia now, and you, you say Georgia in relation to African-Americans, you tend to think of Atlanta, but this is not where Valdosta is. Talk a little bit about where it's located as well. Yeah. So Valdosta is like the deep South. 
which is the same in, in many of the states. So the deep south of Georgia is like Mississippi, Alabama, very little progression into normal modern society. You feel like you're in slave town when, I'm, when I was there. You know, you really feel the difference in the air and you hear it in the film. Uh, white people still won't get allow black people to serve them at restaurants there. Um, only 40% of the town is white and yet they're in control of the whole town. Yeah. That should tell you a lot about the mentality and the roots of institutional racism and how deeply it runs down there, you know, right. that everyone in charge is white. They're the minority in the town, actually. Yeah. And they run the town, a dictatorial at, you know, attitude, if you say anything wrong. And so for the Johnson family to fight back like this down there is really historic because most of the time your kid goes missing, never comes home. And that's that. You, most families, many families down there have that story. And they aren't fighting for their children because they don't have the money, the time, the resources, the strength. The, there's a fear level, a real fear level down there because like kids just go missing. That's it. You lose your kid. So for them to stand up and fight like this is, uh, is very historic for the region, actually. And just one last kind of put a fine point on where it's located. The Florida panhandle is just south of where Valdosta is. Oh, yeah. It's like an uh, like less than an hour. Right. And that's a part of the another part of the south that is notorious for its history of racial animosity, racial racism. Whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you when you it, drive down this, there's a main highway. Can't remember the number <clears throat> from Atlanta to Valdosta. When you get close to Valdosta, you drive by like this pole that has the largest Confederate flag you've ever seen. And it's like, welcome to the hood, bro. And uh, you feel it. To lay out the bare bones of this case of uh, Kendrick Johnson, he we have footage of him walking into a gym, which all this, that's another whole part of the film that is takes your breath away. It's horrifying to just because there's, there's elements of this case. I, I, I'm it could be its own film, that one little section. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hesitate to give too much away. I do want people to see this and what we're going to talk about where they can see the film and how, but the gist of it is he ends up in a gym mat. Kendrick does. He ends up in a gym mat upside down in a gym mat dead and all of the things that would normally be working and functional seem to not have been during the time when it appears that he was killed or he died. However you want to be as kind as you want in the description there, but yeah. Right. Well, he was, he was found the next day. There you go. So he disappears on the 10th in that video and he wasn't even found, you know, until the 11th in the morning. By kids in the gym. So all that time between 1 p.m. and the next morning, he was somehow just in the gym rolled up. That's what all of these white people in Georgia have just like come to settle in as the story that they're going to live with for the rest of their lives about what happened that day. Finding Kendrick Johnson is about all of it. It's about the crime. It's about the family. It's about the institutional racism that this community has been a part of. It's about the police. It's about the FBI. 
And I'm glad you there's a section of the film where you talk about the history of the FBI and its yeah. relationship to the civil rights movement and its its unexplained relationship with Martin Luther King and the attempts to coax him into killing himself. There's just so much history here. There's so much to be told. Again, I want to be careful not to give too much away. I'll leave that. To no, you. I'd love to talk about this part. Okay. Well, let's... Yeah, let's talk about this part. So we decided to look into the FBI when we realized that the FBI was part of uh, such a big part of the cover-up of KJ. Once I really started, like, was like realizing like, wow, the FBI really did cover a lot of this up, um, especially after we talked with the, the whistleblower. It's like, where did all this happen? So then you start looking into the FBI. Well, is there, is this just a, a one-off incident or is the FBI racist? And then you start realizing, oh, the FBI is the most racist organization that's ever been created in America. It was created if with the sole intention of uh, taking down the civil rights movement, a lot of civil rights leaders were assassinated by them. Uh, we have all the paperwork to prove all of this. And they were infiltrating civil rights leaders. They had spies in Black Panther groups. I mean, they were fighting Black people coming up in America. They were the FBI. That was that they, they were the opponents of Black people coming up in America. And so... That never stopped. And then you think about what happened in Ferguson, where the FBI was labeling my friends black extremists, black identity extremists. Remember that term? Yes. And, and you know, there's just all these things. It's like, okay. And then the, the real thing I've learned from both these investigations is that the FBI has local field offices all over America. Okay. Yeah. So when the news says, that the FBI is coming in to investigate and the public is like, oh, good. Now there's going to be some national oversight. It's not national oversight in any way. It's still local guys. They all go to church together. One has a police badge. One has an FBI badge. One has the pastor badge. And like, they're all friends. And so when they say the FBI comes in, it's, this, it's just another local bias group of folks doing their job. And very, very often the national will take the local paperwork and that's what you hear. Eric Holder's results from Ferguson were not Eric Holder's investigation. It was the local FBI and DOJ offices, St. Louis guys, white St. Louis guys investigating the case, writing up their reports. And then the national office has no choice but to back them up, because what are they going to say? My office is lying. This is the game that we're in nationally. So we have in Georgia, it's even more crazy. They have something called the GBI, which is even more autonomous than the FBI, which allows even more dictatorial attitudes and even more cover up. They don't even directly, they kind of report to the FBI, but they're their own institution in Georgia. And this is all based on racism. Why does Georgia need a GBI when every other state uses the FBI? Well, they want to control that. Why do they want to control that? They want to control what's happening there. That's how 40% of the population in Valdosta can control 60% of the town. The GBI. What even is the GBI? So these are GBI reports on KJ. I have a suggestion for anyone listening to our conversation. 
uh, as further evidence of what uh, Jason is talking about. There, Don Porter put together a terrific documentary film many years ago called The Spies of Mississippi. And it was about the civil rights movement and about the just exactly what you're talking about. The, the same thing that they, the same kind of apparatus, the same sort of state run secret police and yeah. terrorism that they inflicted on people who were seeking the right to vote. And hence, people think this is ancient history. All of that stuff is behind us. We're in the midst of a new rise of the Confederacy, the, the rise of the, conf, of the Confederate sympathizers, as far as I'm concerned. I'm editorializing now, but nonetheless, I do believe we're in a new era of an attempt to subvert minority truth. truth. There you go. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. By TJ that went viral when George Floyd was killed. So that was technically during Trump. Uh, KJ had a huge moment that summer. Many of George Floyd's death was so massive that it shone light on a bunch of cases. So everybody was talking about a lot of things. And KJ's case got a lot of steam, like in the summer of 2020. But other than that, my goal was to not hype KJ while I was in production because I was trying to keep the family safe. And everybody wanted me to go public, but I did, I did not to keep the family safe, to keep my investigation safe, to keep me safe. I didn't need to be Michael Moore and run around down there with a camera making, making noise and making trouble. I needed to tell the story correctly and get the investigation done in a quiet, easy way for the family so that yeah. they could like not have the trauma of this famous film director is making a documentary about you and they're at risk for four years while the whole town knows this is happening. I was very, very quiet about everything and just did my job. How can people see Finding Kendrick Johnson? It's available streaming everywhere. Amazon Prime, iTunes, uh, Vudu, YouTube, um, basically anywhere where you can rent uh, documentaries to stream. That is uh, information is on my on our Instagrams, social medias, and then we have some more theatrical runs coming up. Some good, some exciting news coming up soon. I can't talk about, but we'll have some further theatrical runs throughout uh, tw- the, uh, the rest of the year, and then we'll have a, a TV premiere um, too. Okay. Great. Well, as far as, uh, so you're saying for you, is it Jason Pollock Instagram or what's the Instagram account? Finding KJ movie is our Instagram, but Jason Pollock TV is my Instagram and everything will be, everything's always there. FindingKendrickJohnson.com is the website. Okay. Um, So if you Google it, there's, we've made it pretty easy for people to find stuff. Okay. And I will have that posted to film school radio com for people who are listening to the show or picking this up off the website where i want to ask you a little bit about uh the threats or the your as you express the fears that you have for the family of kendrick johnson have they, they have been threatened or do you know is it just one of oh those yeah threats? every time they go to court they get a brick through their window okay imagine being down there and everyone knows where you live and you're the only family fighting against the whole system down there for eight years and they're so brave. I, I don't think I could do it. And yeah, and the other thing about this case, seeing the the, the footage and the, the material in, in finding Kendrick Johnson is there is a, and it's even mentioned in the film, it's kind of a throwback 
in this in the in the sort of the visuals of this to the Emmett Till case from the 1950s. And for people who don't know what that is, you should look it up online. But um, but it is about a a young African American man who was accused of sexually assaulting a white woman uh, without any evidence. He was dragged out of his home and beaten so badly that um, his mother opened up the the casket where he was buried, where he was about to be buried in. And his face was so disfigured, it was hard to tell who it was. And it became kind of a touchstone for a lot of people in the civil rights movement. It sort of, it opened the door in a lot of ways for people to talk about this and for it to be discussed in terms of our relationship to race in this country. So, and in this, we see pretty horrific pictures of Kendrick and um, you can't help but react to it. And then we also have the benefit of a, a couple of autopsies after the official autopsy the family brought in uh, someone else to do a real autopsy on what happened to Kendrick, which is pretty amazing and not a go and not in a good way, but just amazing that this somebody was allowed to get away with what they did. Yeah. Uh, both autopsies show what happened and they've been reviewed by many, many different doctors and it's really basic science. What happened to him? It's nothing conspiratorial. And if anybody wanted to do their job down there, that, you know, they, they could have. And uh, if it was their child, if it was the police chief's child with this autopsy results, I'm sure he would have put someone in jail in 24 hours. You know, it's hard to say this without sounding callous, but the national media has spent an awful lot of time talking about the disappearance of this white woman, this young white who whose boyfriend has now disappeared and several hundreds of hours of media time have been taken up with this case. And again, I'm not disparaging the, the fact of what, what seems to have happened to her. And it's horrific. But there are so many cases of missing white girls that we have, we know of, and we don't know of Kendrick Johnson. I know. And, and it's like, what harkens back to me is it's like equal treatment under the law. And that should apply to how the media reports on things as well equal treatment so it's not bad that they reported on the white girl no i'm not saying it was it's it's that the others deserve equal treatment right and so it's like all these republicans screaming about america and the constitution equal treatment under the law you guys don't believe in that at all because you want to be special and you want to treat black people differently the whole basis of our nation is about equal treatment. They don't believe in America. They well, they believe in a version of America, and this is I've struggled. Not our Constitution. Uh, well, I've struggled with this because for years and years I've been hearing exactly what you're talking about, what they say, what these Republicans, these fundamental, the originalists. You hear about them, the, the discussion of the Constitution, the originalists, what the Constitution means, and it and it's it dawned on me fairly recently that you know what they're right. And they're right for the wrong reasons, but they're right. When you go back and look at the original yes. constitution. Very racist. It's a racist document. Absolutely. And it was less racist because of the Bill of Rights and amendments to the constitution. So it, for me, for years, I looked at it and said, no, that's not the constitution. I know. I know the, the version. Right, the romantical view of it. 26 amendments, or give or take. I know that constitution. What they're talking about is when white property owners were allowed to vote. Yeah. When when African Americans, when slaves are three-fifths people 
And I fear that they're telling their truth, but we're hearing something different. They're actually telling us what they want and what they what they believe in. Correct. Make a, make America great again. 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 That's a racist sentence. It was because that yeah. that's saying we want it like the way it was. Yes. And, you know, who else used that phrase it was Ronald Reagan. And before that, it was used by white supremacists in the in the in in the South. George Wallace, he was, the as, as far as I know, in the modern era, he's the first to use that phrase, make America great again. I yeah. saw some guy with the, uh, the the red hat, same font, and he said, it said, game on, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the best one I've ever seen. And I think he's right. I think this is the way, this is what it's come down to. I think we are at this point where, okay, you know, there's a lot more of us than there are of you guys, but all right, well... Thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. The film, again, is Finding Kendrick Johnson. As you said, it's available on almost all of the streaming services. Yeah. Pick one. Check it out. iTunes, Amazon, Amazon Prime, I believe, mm-hmm. and others. Okay. And then we'll have other theatricals throughout the year that are going to be announced. And then our TV premiere, probably during the holiday season. Well, congratulations on the work. Congratulations to you for bringing attention to this. And um, my heart goes out to the Johnson family and I, ho- I hope they're doing well and I hope they're safe. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music